Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Jambo Jambo! <laughs> She's back! <laughs> How are you? Well, I'm really good, firstly, and it's so lovely to be... Obviously, we had our podcast last week that you guys would have listened to, but this is actually our first recording together, so it's lovely to chat to you. George, I feel like I have... Well, I haven't seen you for three weeks, I and I haven't really spoken to you. I know, we've actually been properly, like, offline. Ghosting actually, each other. Yeah, we've been ghosting each other, and I've probably been ghosting yeah. a lot of people as well, so any of my mates listening to this... <laughs> I'm back up and running now and I will reply in 48, <laughs> well, what did I say? Two working days, two business days. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How, How are you? Are you? How was Christmas? Tell, Christmas you tell me first. exhausting. Um, I love hosting. I love cooking. I love all of that. And I had been really looking forward to doing it in the new house. And, but I think I, I think I hosted something like, at least six to seven people eight days in a row or nine days and I'm not joking I did feel like uh, I just just done like completely done in um but then we had a lovely weekend in Cornwall um we went to Foy which you know the place you'd been to and I feel like I'm back up you know like I just needed someone else to cook for me for a couple of days to get back to feeling like normal and relaxed so and how yeah. was um how was the hotel because I loved Foy it Foy, Absol- Foy yeah. Hall yeah Foy Hall I absolutely loved it I think do you know what like you went in the summer didn't you and I think yeah, yeah. you always would think of going to Cornwall in the summer like you, you'd hope that you'd get some good weather but actually it is definitely not what like it's definitely worth looking at going to those places out of season as well like it was really quiet we still went down to the beach and also like the hotel itself there's so much like lovely things to do they put like cinema like they have little cinema they you know roast marshmallow toast marshmallows by the fire like just all of those lovely little things we yeah I really really enjoyed it and I definitely 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 go back amazing and also Ryanair flights for 15 pounds Good, winning yeah winning so, absolutely and how how was your trip oh god it was so nice it was so so lovely it was a proper i don't to be honest with you it's the only holiday um 
that that we get in the year where we don't do anything as yeah. in there's I, I'm barely on my phone you know it's, it's one of those holidays where you're like where's my phone I actually don't know and I actually yeah. don't care which which firstly I, I think we all needed a total reset from social media you know working and just being present with the kids mm. as a family we went on these beautiful big adventures we did our first family safari oh so Dozza and the kids had never done it before which by the way was life-changing I reckon for them and for him and for yeah. me like having grown up doing safaris it was it was kind of like a completion of my my beautiful family circle do you know what I mean like something I felt very I always feel connected to my dad there and being out in the wild in the bush and just looking at these incredible animals you just feel very 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 connected to the universe so it was amazing um me and my mum didn't kill each other although (laughs) that's that's handy you didn't feed her to a lion leave it to the monkeys yeah I didn't um the monkeys in the we got this gorgeous troop of monkeys in the garden that come down and I'm like one day mum I'm gonna find you here because she like feeds she like feeds them with her hands um but um yeah it was gorgeous um coming back home at the weekend wasn't as gorgeous because they lost my suitcase so I'm suitcaseless Oh, God. My do you think, summer they're, clothes, do you think they're gonna find it do they know where it is or is it one of those where it's literally just been like lost in they the... don't know where it is at the moment oh but no. when, at Mombasa airport I was like Kwahiri like waving at it like saying goodbye in Swahili like thinking I'll never see that again I had this feeling that I did you think wouldn't. that anyway. in your head oh my god you manifested made it happen that. haven't I you no. did oh no yeah that's it's weird isn't it it's like no matter how much you travel you still have that weird feeling when your suitcase is coming off of the like that no why is that it's odd isn't it know. it's like it's well, such you can't a, trust it it's like an, anxi- an anxiety thing it's yeah been drilled into us do you know what though you just you mentioned about it being the one time of year you can go and switch off i yeah. really think this is a freelance thing when you work for yourself yep. like before I, you know, when I used to go on holiday, when I t- took annual leave from my job, I would switch off every time I went away. Yep. I mean, I might check in now and again if there's like a big project going on. I would probably switch off. I don't think since I've been freelance, I've really gone on holiday and switched off properly. But that is why at Christmas we, we do that. Like we have to have that time mm. off to just mm. like yeah otherwise it's just always you've always got something going on in your head always (laughs) I actually felt really bad because in the last week obviously we had like two and a half weeks away which is a really long and Dozzle was like haven't you got a business to run and I suddenly (laughs) thought fuck I haven't checked in with Georgia I haven't checked in with Casey I hope they still they haven't like got me out of the shares since I've been away like I hopefully I've still got a position in the company yeah I mean head of legal over here is not that efficient (laughs) I don't think I'd know how to do that But the good thing is, is that we're back and we've got a really, really exciting year. And if Georgia and I can get through the house renovation, which has started. So when we walked through the door, I didn't have a suitcase, which felt a bit lighter, walked in and they've, um, they've, they've started smashing. The kitchen's gone. They've smashed it up. There was dust everywhere. Oh my God. Oh my that God. is the way to come back home, isn't it? Like literally to no sink and dust I've got no and- sink. I've got no hob. I do have an oven. Um, but then last night I was like, oh, should I steam some veg? And I was like, no. Can't do- microwave? Can't do have you got that. microwave? Got microwave. A microwave. That's what Nigella I've got a microwave. <laughs> and I got an air fryer today. <laughs> which I'm very excited about I'm very very excited for you (laughs) and oh you've got the fancy one that's a good one like I've got that one it's really good and Georgia what can I do with it anything anything like I don't know where to start because anything just get that board of lunch 
air fry cookbook. You'll love it. Right. Like it's all simple stuff in there as well, like nice salmon and veggie recipes, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And just anything, like really anything, eggs, Can everything. Can you do spaghetti bolognese in it? No. No. So not everything. No, okay. so not everything. <laughs> no, you probably could. I mean, someone might be, you know, prove me wrong on here. Maybe you can. You could probably do a lasagna in it, which is kind mm, of similar. So no. like it, yeah. No, no. Okay, I'm well, going to have a look at I'm them. I'm looking look forward at the to the air fryer updates. I'm yes. really looking forward to them. Oh, I miss you and I cannot oh, wait, wait, you. wait to see you. But for now, we need to get into today's podcast. What an incredible conversation we just had. Oh, and a great sort of start to the year as well, because I think, like we just said, we're not always that relaxed. <laughs> we're usually no. like going around on the hamster wheel. And actually this episode, after we chatted to the guests, I came off feeling really relaxed and a little bit like, no, you know what? we can live a more balanced life, but still do all the things. And I feel inspired. How do you feel? I do too. I do too. I, I can't wait to read um, her brand new book, which is out in a couple of weeks. So this is like on the 15th and um, it's called How to Raise a Viking. And this whole conversation, this amazing guest lives in Denmark. This whole conversation was about you know, looking at a different way of life and a different way of bringing up our kids that actually mm. maybe the cotton wool culture isn't necessarily best for them in the long term. And yeah. that being out in nature and kind of roughing it and falling out of trees and, you know, rolling around in the mud and having a good old wrestle is actually maybe better for them, but also more freeing for us because we yeah. can just let them be a bit more feral. Exactly. And it's like, t- it's kind of taking that another stress off of your list like the whole mm. you know le- allowing them to learn in you know in a in a roundabout way like themselves also like learning to trust trust themselves mm. trust other people yeah. god I just really loved it and I yeah, mean I'm me not too. about to move there don't worry I'm not about to move <laughs> Please to Denmark don't. <laughs> I'll become like a woodchuck a woodchuck in the <laughs> garden I'll, what's, happened to, what's happened to Georgia she just cuts wood now in uh, yeah. in rural Denmark um listen Georgia who are we chatting to today we are chatting to best selling author Helen Russell. So I really, really wish that I had learned how to say hello and welcome to the podcast in Danish today because even though... That would have been good. It would have been good, wouldn't it? Even today, even though today's guest isn't Danish, she lives in Denmark. Um, best-selling author, journalist, speaker and host. She is mum to three. She's got a brand new book coming out. In fact, by the time this podcast goes out, it might already be out. Uh, please, let's welcome to the podcast, Helen Russell. Yeah, Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> just before we start, can you just paint the picture for us? Because Zoe and I are currently recording. Zoe's in bed and I'm sitting in like an old armchair looking out at a very grey day but your scene at home is very different just paint the picture yes we are in full on Narnia so I'm speaking to you uh, it's the 8th of January it's been snowing solidly since I reckon New Year's Day so everything is under a blanket of white you go outside everything's really quiet because it's muffled by the snow the only thing that's not quiet is the big slabs of snow that keep falling off my roof so <laughs> Um, every afternoon, Where are is you? sledging. I'm, yeah, I should say that bit. Uh, so I'm in in uh, rural Uland, so a place called Vila in Denmark. Um, so it's not Copenhagen, the bit everyone's heard of. It's it's proper Danish part of Denmark. Um, and yes, it's very very white, very Christmassy, very Narnia. What what wow. brought you to Denmark in the first place? Well, uh, I was living and working as a journalist in London. I was editor of MarieClaire.co.uk. I had no intention of leaving, and then. Um, one wet Wednesday, 
my husband was offered his dream job working for Lego, which is based in Denmark in Newland. And so we kind of thought about it. He promised we'd relocate for my career next time. And uh, we came to visit. And as soon as we stepped off the plane, we noticed there was something a bit different about the Danes we met. They were more relaxed. Um, they seemed to have take the time to chat and eat together. And Denmark had just been voted, I don't know if you remember, but like the happiest country in the world. And yeah. as a journalist, I was fascinated by this. So I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe we give it a year, maybe as a kind of a big experiment. So I quit my job to go freelance. We came for a year. And then I kind of began to notice quite quickly that it was a, a quite a special way of life. They did things very differently. Um, and then I spoiler alert, became pregnant. And um, (laughs) as you girls will know, like pregnancy doesn't always go as planned and there was no flying for a while. And so our year crept into two. And then it just, yeah, it's a really good place to have kids. So we've kind of been very disorganized and not quite got around to leaving. Right. And now you probably (laughs) don't want to leave. Yeah. Now, well, honestly, my children are so feral and Viking-like. I'm a bit worried about how they would survive back in the UK. <laughs> but there's some really good, I think what I've been really interested in, there's some really good um, life lessons and parenting lessons wherever we end up. And I don't think we'll be here forever. But I wanted to really understand how the Nordics were raising their children to be so so happy and healthy and always come top of these happiness lists and what it was that they were doing differently. So it's been a very interesting um, exercise. I've got quite a lot of skin in the game for how Danes parent. So yeah. yeah, it's been fascinating. Can you just take us back quickly just to when you first arrived and you said that it, you know, it quickly became apparent that it was a completely different way of life. What were the things that you really loved or maybe even didn't love and struggled with? Yeah, I mean, the weather for starters, I mean, October till March, it's pretty much Mordor. It's so dark and cold and everybody just rushes to get back to their homes. There's not the spontaneous socialising you might have out of after work in the UK, for example. Um, but what I did notice was that I was working in in coffee shops. I was trying to get a freelance career up and running. And I noticed that rush hour kind of started at 3 p.m. Danes right. just leave their jobs at, at 4. The, the average working day is 8 till 4. Uh, but because most mums work as well as dads, there's this subsidized childcare. So state supported, you only pay... Um, it's 75% supported by the states. You're only paying a little bit, which means that all parents work and then everybody leaves work at the same time because they have to go and pick up their kids. So it means that the whole place kind of shuts down. It, it's Even though it's a, just something that really kind of affects people who have children, it, it filters out into the whole of society. So everybody is kind of more relaxed because they have this work-life balance. It's kind Mm. of state-sanctioned. And people who don't have kids, they'll just knock off at four and go to the gym or be part of the running club or join a choir. So they have this quite nice life. And of course, everyone's heard now this this mad Danish word is hygge, which I feel like unless you were born a Viking, it's very difficult to pronounce, but it really does play into every part of life here. So there are candles lit in shops and in banks and in kids' daycare. And people really care about their interior and um, making their space really comfortable and cosy with like this mood lighting. So the the general life that people have here is is really nice. It's very conducive to having a more happy, relaxed time. So yeah, that became evident straight away. Uh, Helen, I, I read something that you wrote, which I, I, I thought it just, it set my heart on fire. It started to sing when you said that, you know, CEOs, male CEOs of big, you know, corporations living in Denmark are quite happy to, you know, before a four o'clock meeting say, actually, do you know what? I'm not going to be in this meeting because I've got to go and pick my kids up from school. 
which is something that we know is such a big you know, topic of conversation here in the UK, but also so skewed one-sided that one person will be working and the other parent will be at home having to do all the school runs. Is that something that became quite apparent to you as you started you know, actually living in Denmark, that the balance was there in comparison to the UK? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for a start, you... You you just wouldn't really schedule a meeting at four. It's you know if you maybe schedule one at three and then by four everyone's out of there. But also you see uh, dads around. All all kids start um, daycare from around ten months. So by a year you're not seeing one year olds out with their parents in the streets. So you'll see dads who maybe are on paternity leave. In Sweden, they even have a name for it. They call them latte puppers. Oh, sorry, that's the snow falling off my roof. <laughs> So yeah, in in Sweden, they have this term latte puppers for the dads, the very kind of well turned out Swedish dads who just hang around coffee shops with their babies in tow on their parental leave. Um, Yeah, there's 52 weeks parental leave that parents get to share between them in Denmark. And and it's perfectly normal. And you've also got men working in daycares. So yeah, it's perfectly normal that men will also be cooking dinner, will be picking up their kids, will be um, will be doing their share of the domestic load. I mean, it's not perfect by any means, but um, I just wrote a piece for The Guardian that it's, it's still a lot better in the Nordic countries than it is in yeah. the UK, for example. Has it always been like that? Or has there been a shift like in the last 10 years or 20 years? Well, it's so interesting. So actually, it's another thing that goes back to the Second World War, when um, the the Nordic governments decided that they needed women in the workforce to to, to help out. And, you know, it's it makes sense financially to have women in the workplace because you're getting that, that extra tax money. Childcare pays for itself. So subsidising childcare, they made their money back in the tax revenue of working women really quickly. And if they wanted women in the workplace, they had to offer subsidised childcare. They had to offer good parental leave policies. So that's been in the place for a long time and it's expected that both parents work. But um I think the men taking paternity leave is maybe a little bit more recent. Sweden were the real front runners in this. And when they first introduced equal leave, lots of the men didn't take it. So the government had to make... um, make changes and make it kind of use it or lose it. It wasn't men with placards in the street saying, this is what we want. It was more that the government decided this is what should happen. It was the right thing to do. And not purely because they were being altruistic, but because they knew that childcare pays for itself, that you get that money back. Um, And now, you know, all of the, the OECD, the World Economic Forum, everyone recommends it's good for business to give parents shared parental leave and to have childcare. So it just seems mad um, for Nordic people that the rest of the world hasn't quite done that yet. I still think that we think it's absolutely bonkers that that it hasn't happened. I mean, we've been having quite a big conversation, haven't we, at the moment, Georgia, mm. about, you know, the cost of childcare, because both myself and Georgia's kids have both, you know, m- mine started nursery at maybe six months, kind of full time, full time. And then for two of them, because they were quite close together, you know, it was like 170 quid a day or something that I had to, we had to find together. Um, and so when you're talking about subsidised childcare in Denmark, what, what, is, what sort of cost are you, uh, do, do, do you have any numbers? Yeah, so I've been I've been paying um, around maybe three hundred pounds a month for a child, and that's a place that's up to forty hours a week, um, and it's and it's perfectly normal. So there's no stigma what? either. Oh I know, I know. I'm really sorry. Don't don't hate me. Um, no, yeah, so I'm it's fascinated. Not, <laughs> I, but I am aware that it can come across. Uh, yeah, that's, that the Scandinavia is this magical uh, place where fairies live and <laughs> good childcare. But uh, you know that's. They're not trying to do me a favor there. They've worked out that that's better for business to have me and other working working women 
back at work. So, so yeah, 75% subsidized by the state. So you're just paying. A part of it. And if you're on a really low income, then the costs are reduced again or, or not at all. And it's perfectly normal. So everyone's doing the same thing. Wow. And what do you think like the knock on effects are of that? I mean, I'm sure there's loads and you want to know where to start. But just initially, we've, you know, we've, we've spoken a lot about how a lot of resentment can stem from one parent yeah. picking up the load. But when it's shared because of this equal childcare thing, and childcare being a lot less, what would you say like the knock-on effects are? Oh, it's so interesting. So I think um, on kids, first of all, and then I'll come to the parents, but on yeah. kids, the um, a lot of in the UK and in the US, there's a lot of worries about, you know, attachment theory and working mothers being you know, terrible for children. But actually, there's no evidence to suggest that. All Harvard studies going back decades now have said that the, the effect on children is, is net zero. And in the Nordic countries, they believe it's really good to let your children socialise really early. So they're not learning. Yeah. This isn't hot housing children to make them you know, Oxford University ready. <laughs> it's it's purely about play. And there's a sense in the Nordic countries that it's almost like child cruelty not to let your children socialise. And if you let them start daycare later than around 10 months, a lot of the, the pedagogues or the um, early years educators will say, oh, it's really hard for them to learn then. So they think that you're wow. doing a favour to a kid by putting them into daycare. And then the effect on parents is, yeah, as you say, far less resentment. There's, It's not to say that... Um, it's always paradise. People often point to the divorce statistics in the Nordic countries, and they're quite high, especially in Denmark. But that's purely because women don't have to depend on their partners yeah. for money or their male partners. So you only stay together because you choose to. Mm. You're not. That's you're so not interesting. To. Yeah, see, it's about freedom again. So that's so. The, so the divorce statistics are high, but then you think then if then if we're sort of thinking about you know, the situation in the UK, people might be hanging on to each other yeah. because they can't afford to leave. And this to is leave, another exactly. conversation that we have. We're like, my mum always said to, to, to me, you've got to have your runaway fund. Like yeah. you, you must Same. have your runaway mm. fund in case it get, you know, in case it got, everything mm. went tits up and you could be like, right, I'm going to support myself now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. But also if the happiness levels are, are high, but the divorce rates are high, then surely that's pos like a huge positive like exactly and, and that's what people say that you can be happy despite the high divorce rate in Denmark because mm. children are, are prioritized it's less acrimonious because it's quite cheap to get divorced here and it's quite common so there's no stigma again and um and actually Denmark is the highest country in terms of remarriages so my neighbor likes to say um we we Danes we, we like to get married so we don't mind doing it more than once like, <laughs> oh, nice. do you ever get any do you ever get any sort of judgment the other way around Helen do, do people ever say to you well hang on a minute like putting your kid into childcare at 10 months old you know I want to spend more time with my little one and I don't want them to be looked after by somebody else is there any other feelings yeah. on the other side yeah that there, there is absolutely and especially for internationals not so much Danes because they're used to it and that's what they did as well when they were growing up so for internationals who maybe do decide to keep their children home until they're around three or something it's not so much sort of judgment in it but you get some strange looks I would say um and and it's this sense that well yeah I if you want to spend time with your children, you are the, the you're the unusual one. You're the, the standout, and you might be on your own in, in play parks pushing your child on a swing because every other mm. child is in their yeah. gang back in back in the daycare. Yeah, right. Apart, like aside from you know childcare being incredible and all of that kind of stuff, you obviously you've written a book about how to raise a Viking. What would you say the difference is in like parenting styles, general being a kid? in Denmark? Yes. Well, I guess the the first thing I noticed putting my tiny little 
redhead. I had years of fertility treatment. So I was very, when I finally got pregnant, I was very protective over my child. And I sort of thought, this is how I'm going to do things. And then the Danish system had different ideas. But um, in Denmark, the, one of the most striking things you notice first off is that they let babies sleep outside in their prams when they're napping up to oh, minus yes. 20 degrees. So it's yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. cold. You've got a layer of snow on the on the hood of the of the Mary Poppins style massive pram and these babies are sleeping inside and as soon as I got pregnant I was thinking well I can't do I mean it's great for them but I'm not doing that and then you know one day I did and it was okay um and then I went on to have twins and you can't get a twin stroller in anywhere so if the babies are sleeping they stay outside so that's that early on you there is this trust that the people around you are not out to get you and that it's a safe place and so you can do that and then I think as well from a really early age kids are outside in all weathers. So even when they're babies from, say, age six months, they'll have these snowsuits, like Lisa from The Simpsons style, zip-up snowsuits. Mm. And they wear these all the way up to around age nine, ten. I have one now as an adult. They're brilliant. But it means that you can be outside, whatever the weather, all year round. And as I said, the weather is so terrible. But it's um, just having this on is this layer of protection. And so even when it's hammering it down with rain or sleet or snow or all at the same time. Kids are out there in the fresh air, in the forests, and there's not so much of a worry about health and safety. They'll climb a tree, they'll fall down. And whatever has happened at daycare that day, the teacher will say, oh yeah, they had a really good day. And my child will maybe have like a black eye and bruises and covered in mud. And I'll go, yeah, they had a great day. It's fine. How refreshing is that? Yeah. We'll be right back after this short break. 
then I don't I don't know I feel I feel sorry for them because I know they have to stick to protocol but at the same time are we really phoning a parent if someone got kicked in the playground yeah, and exactly. it, it's mad, isn't it? Because you think it makes sense where you're looking at a country like the US, for example, where there isn't free healthcare. But thank goodness, right now in the UK, we do have the NHS, and sure, they're under massive pressure. But we are so lucky to have have the NHS. And the same in the Nordic countries, they have a healthcare system. And so the the thought is here: there's lots of Nordic um, psychologists and play researchers who all believe that risky play, as they call it, or adventurous play, is so important. It stops you being afraid as a as an mm. adult. It helps you be more confident in your body. And so, yeah, they they kind of let kids do all that stuff. And if you end up in A and E, you end up in A&E you end up. Right. Yeah. Do you know That's what's really stuck with me from what you said? It sounds like people are taught to trust. So you know, like they're taught to trust people around them. You know that it's going to be okay. They're also taught allowed to make their own mistakes. You know, climb, you fall down. You you know, you learn yourself. And I just, I really love the sound mm, of that too, way of living that you just learn to trust your instincts and trust everyone around you I think it's lo- like lovely whereas in the UK we all grew up with I don't know if you guys remember this as well but like the stranger danger campaign yeah did you have don't that talk to strangers. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah exactly yeah whereas here it's you're told that the world is an essentially good place most people are not out to get you and sure bad things still happen you might you know we've all seen the killing you might get proved wrong but there's yeah. no point going through life with that fear on the off chance almost you may as well go with a good attitude I always think it's better to trust because 99 times out of 100 you're going to be right to trust and then one time you might not be but it was worth it for all those 99 times before Mm. like it it just like you said it just breeds it breeds children that aren't frightened of things Mm. at the same time the instinct in me is to say to them right don't talk to anyone that you don't know because (laughs) I don't want them to get snatched Mm. it's really hard to unlearn that you know yeah yeah. and I think Danish parents as well because they grew up with being told that most people are good so they have that attitude whereas I'm same as you I'm coming from that perspective of cotton wool parenting and I have to Mm. really work to unlearn it and actually I'm quite lucky that my husband is much more gung-ho he's fond of a power tool he's very outdoorsy head to toe Patagonia and North Face so my natural tendency I was an indoor bookish kid and after fertility troubles for ages my natural tendency was full-on cotton wool so Mm. I've had to kind of unlearn that but I, I, yeah, it's worth it. Are there, so you t- you know obviously talk to us about your new book. I mean, how to raise a Viking. It sounds so, absolutely incredible. We can't <laughs> wait to read it. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yeah, so it's out February the fifteenth. I'm very excited about it. I feel like it's the book I've been writing since I first found out I was pregnant. So um, I yeah I moved here in in 2013 and. As I say, everything just appeared different from the way that they play to the way that they dress to the way that they sleep. And then not to mention kind of school and the idea that children are under pressure to read and write so early in the UK. And here in Denmark, children don't learn to read till they get to around age eight, which I still find quite, um, it makes my heart beat a little faster. And as a writer, it it still worries me. But there is now so much evidence to suggest that they all get there in the end. By the age of 15, Nordic children are scoring higher than British and American children in terms of like maths, reading, they're happier, they're healthier too. So I just really wanted to explore what it was the Nordics did differently and what it was we can export as well. Because as I say, I won't be here forever. So I want to know what I can steal to take with me elsewhere. But they also have... Um, they have a different approach to meal times. They they eat together 
daily. It's a non-negotiable. There's no kind of dinner on your lap on the sofa. Um, there's a real sense of eating proper food. They they still eat junk food the same as everyone else, but there's much more of a culture. Eating out is quite expensive, so you cook your own food. There's um, the emphasis on play is just phenomenal. I mean, from the country where Lego is from, it's not so much of a surprise, yeah. but. <laughs> Kids, they, they have in, in Denmark and in all of the Nordic countries, they have two words for play, a bit like um, Hawaiians have many words for water because it's so important in the culture. So mm. in the Nordic countries, there's a word for play, something you do just for fun. And then there's a word for play when it's like a game or music or um, a sport. And in the Nordic countries, it's it's really important to do both. And it's prioritized. It's all that they do until they turn six in most of the Nordic countries until they turn seven in Finland. It's all they do is play every day. And they believe that that's really important to help with your confidence, to, um, again, mm. help with your physical, your your bodily uh, prowess and, and how you master your own body and just to how to get along with people, which in these days of AI, when most of the jobs that our kids will be doing, we don't even know what they are yet. Seems really helpful, mm. this idea that they can get along and collaborate. So I was physical really play as well. Physical yes. play. They've done so much research, haven't they, about how important physical play is, that actually having a wrestle and having a rumble and doing a stack and doing all the things that, you know, kids want to do. Yes. It's, we shouldn't stop them from doing that. Yeah. Yes. But play fighting is the type of play most commonly shut down, I think, especially as women. It's not something I'd ever done before I had toddlers, which I would say is about 80% WWE wrestling. I had never had <laughs> like, you know, non-romantic physical grapples with yeah. anyone. And yeah. suddenly you're doing it and you think, oh, this is great. <laughs> it's really fun. There are those romantic physical grapples though. We're still hanging on to those, <laughs> aren't we? From yeah, our, we're, we're from trying. Our 20s. We're doing our best. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's wow. That is fascinating. That is absolutely fascinating. Talk to us about the mealtime situation because yeah. George is actually George is very very good at cooking a meal, one meal that the whole family eat. Now I've got a different situation because I've got a gluten freeer, two gluten freeers, one that only eats sausages, one that won't eat red meat. You know, I, I I basically end up cooking four meals for five people every night, and some of them will be. We've stopped them watching uh, TV and eating at the same time, so I will put them around the the dinner table. But we don't eat with them unless it's Sunday afternoons, and it is something that really I just can't seem to get it right. I really want to put the emphasis back on the meal time because I think it's so important. All those beautiful conversations that come out of it. But George's George's the expert on it, and it seems maybe you are as well now, Helen. Actually, oh, I, I am the expert in nothing. Honestly, I am very much the student here. I am, my, as my Danish friends will remind me, I am the idiot on a daily basis. So it's very much <laughs> I am learning here. But um, no, George is winning. No, I think I I certainly don't don't always get this right. I have I have two really fussy eaters as well, and it's very frustrating. The Christmas holidays just making food that no one will eat. But I think what Danes do really well is they are very um well they're very relaxed they're, the sort of danish discipline is is very much that the child is coming from a good place and if they refuse food at meal times it's not because they're trying to be difficult it's maybe because they have an idiosyncratic bodily clock they're not hungry when we are they may be hungry half an hour later and apparently that's okay according to danish parenting um or if there's any stress in the family yeah. or at school they they don't have so many power moves do you when you're like a five-year-old so you you make your power moves where you can and refusing food is one of those so despite this emphasis on family mealtime they will make um big family style dinner and everyone will sit down um, with the parents as well quite early like we I, I end up eating 
because the kids start daycare so early, uh, they have lunch by around 11. So we have dinner at five, which um, took wow. some getting used I to. Love I, yeah, I love too. that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, You feel so good. You're pretty much intermittent fasting before you get to your breakfast in the morning, but it's good. So everyone's eating together and it does, as you say, keep those conversations flowing. And there's always something that someone will eat, even if it's only this fabulous kind of Danish rye bread with um, with pate on it. Weirdly, Pate, pate is a kid's food mm. in Denmark. They call it luapostai. And every kid, no matter how fussy they are, they are will eat that. So, um, th- th- yeah, so it's not like they're eating the super healthiest diet ever, but they are eating together. And there's a lot of science that show that home Sometimes they just have bread yeah. and pate for dinner. That sounds like my kind of meal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't, don't tell my mother that. But yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes they do. Yeah, sometimes they get <laughs> Is it more about the time together than the food? It's more exactly, about, it doesn't right. matter if no one's eating, it's more about like sitting down. That's right. And because it's home cooked, you have it's not so ultra processed, and you haven't got additives in. It's not takeout so much because again, that's quite expensive. It's not restaurant, so it hasn't got like a, you know, a gazillion tons of butter and salt in it. So it may not be the the most perfect balanced diet, but um, it's got the basics. It's got some vegetables. It's got some carbohydrates. It's got some protein. You're together. They'll eat something. At least you know what's in it. Yeah. So it's more about that. And again, like um, I talked about, like the the design and the lighting and the, the candles and the hygge, it's it's that as well. So it's always someone's mm. job to light the candles, even in summer probably. And often when from about the age of three, it's one of the kids' jobs to do that. So that. everyone's pulling up a chair. They're making it look nice. They're laying the table. Um so it's it's kind of making eating an event, which is someone who worked, you know, long hours in London, regularly yeah. shoveling food while scrolling with my phone in the other hand. It's it's a very different way of eating. So I'm glad my kids are getting to see that rather than me just eating straight from the fridge into my mouth. It's not how ideal. do you how do you think your kids will adapt? You've mentioned that you won't be there forever. How do you think they'll adapt when they move, like, I don't know, to the UK or wherever it is? <laughs> I think, um, well, I I think the academic stuff would be a struggle because they are not at the level that their peers would be in the UK, but that is all learnable. I think what's really helpful is that they've been taught um, how to think, not what to think. So hopefully that bit will be catch-upable. But what I hope they will have is this kind of basis of trust, um, like mastery of their body, a good kind of sense of play and teamwork. And I have one child who's not a natural team player, but I think it's been really helpful being here to do that. And thinking again about about girls and using your body and that physicality and play fighting. Mm -hmm. What they also do really well in Denmark is they teach oracy. So standing up and speaking out for yourself from a really young age, from around six. Whereas in the UK, it's often just private schools where public speaking is taught. And it's something like, you know, typically women are not, haven't traditionally been great at advocating for themselves in a work situation, for example. Whereas here, my I have two boys and a, a daughter, and it, I find that I'm really pleased that my daughter has learned how to stand up for herself. I mean, against two brothers for one thing, but uh, to, to stand up for what she wants and be loud and use her voice when she needs it. So I mm. feel like that's a really useful skill to teach children. Yeah. So Helen, can you shed some light on this? Because I'm not sure if it's an old wives tale or not. But is it true that in the Scandinavian countries, when you give birth, they give you and the baby a box 
for the baby to sleep in? Yes, these are the mm. Finnish baby boxes. This is so right. great. So Finland okay. do mm. so much well. So as soon as you are born, um, you get um, this box and it's got everything you need. So it's got the snowsuit. It's got um, it's got like nappies in it. It's got baby grows. It's got dummies. Um, it, it, it's interesting. If you look throughout history, it's been going since the late 1940s and the contents of the box has changed according to parenting norms. So um, when they realized more, you know, more women had to go into the workplace, there was uh, there were less of the there were less of the kind of white baby grows that look so cute but are a nightmare to launder because yeah. poo doesn't come out of them. Um, and then when they wanted to encourage breastfeeding, they left out the bottle. Um, so it's all changed over over the course of the time. But yeah, it's it's given this sort of basic that everyone gets. And it used to be means tested and it used to be that um, that only some people got it. But then they decided, no, let's just give it to everyone. Let's just make it open to everyone. And then you have to attend um, antenatal classes to get it or, or at least one appointment. So that okay. helped with maternal health because everyone's in a better position. And then afterwards, they wanted to make sure the infant mortality rates went down and stayed low. So in the first six months, um, that's when our sleep choices can, with our with our baby, they're at the most vulnerable. So they said, well, put the baby to sleep in the box and at least every child has a good place to sleep, a safe place to sleep. So yeah, you put your baby to sleep in the box and it's done amazingly. Finland's, Finland always scores really low in terms of infant mortality. Um, and it's something people really value, really treasure. And it spawned imitators around the world. But as you say, they, they don't always quite get the same benefits because you haven't got the whole system in place yeah. the whole right. yeah, careful yeah, isn't it incredible to- that actually we you know some people spend a thousand pounds on a snoo but actually you just need a box yes. you can just have a box yeah. on the yeah exactly just on the, the floor yeah on the floor yeah yeah, yeah i love it yeah. you just touched on you know like how parenting changed with what what's gone in the box has changed and you mentioned breastfeeding everything you've said so far has seemed really relaxed and you know you do whatever what is the sort of breastfeeding chat in Denmark is it you know especially when women go back to work because I think that's can sometimes be the difficulty yeah. as well yeah, yeah it's really interesting there's quite uh, I didn't feel it I tried breastfeeding and it did not work well um and then I had twins and it was just oh, impossible but um I I didn't feel too pressured but I know that some other mothers do feel quite pressured Denmark and the Nordic countries are quite um they're quite pro-natural so they're a bit um bit sniffy about epidurals sometimes which is not ideal and I also have those and bring them on um so there is some pressure to breastfeed and in Iceland especially (laughs) they're really hot on breastfeeding so women feel a little judged if they if they don't breastfeed and actually they import um Danish breast milk for preterm babies in Iceland because they think it's so important to do but uh, there's not that pressure for do to do it for so long here most uh, babies aren't breastfed after the age of one because they're in daycare so there's no nursing rooms in Danish workplaces because all mothers who go back to work when the baby is like nine, 10 months, they've all stopped breastfeeding by then, usually. So yeah, it's it depends which side of it you're on. I, I personally kind of feel like however you feed and love your child, everyone's mm. doing the best they can. Mm. And yeah, it, it's fine. But And I never got any grief about it, but I know there is quite a breastfeeding culture Yeah, in the early few months. Okay. What what can we take? What can we take from the book? What what do you what what's the message that you want everybody reading it to take from it? So I want people to um, 
kind of be aware of a different thing, different way of doing things and to work out what can be an inspiration, what can be a cautionary tale, what can be things that we can directly steal and what can we can lobby governments for. I think, you know, um, Anna Whitehouse's Flex Appeal, for example, has done amazing oh, yeah. work in, mm. in terms of pointing out how important it is to, to just give workers some autonomy that it doesn't matter where you do the work or when you're getting it done. We should be trusted. We're hired to do a good job and we're allowed to have a personal life as well. Um, I think there's a lot around um, around play, around risk, around the education approach, around also um, the stories that we tell our children. I think in, in the Nordic countries, it's no surprise that the countries that brought us Nordic noir the kids' stories even can be a little bit darker and they're quite challenging sometimes for mm. parents and for children. But it turns out it's really good for them. There's a lot of evidence to show that, you know, Pippi Longstocking or the Moomins or um, Hans Christian Andersen, they can get quite dark yeah. at times. It's yeah. not all the Disney endings, but that's yeah. really good for children. It helps us, uh, it helps them to to grow up realizing that they shouldn't be underestimated. Again, to have this voice, to cope with tough things, um, to realize that, yeah, we we don't have to pander down. We can talk in appropriate kid language, but we should just have a little faith in children and, and treat them as... That is so... That part of it I really love. And this is something that I think goes through our minds a lot about how much we actually tell our children about the realities of life. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about death, for example, um, we went to Kenya at Christmas to see my mum. She lives there. And my father died 10 years ago. My my daughter, Luna, she's the questioner. She just, she asks all the questions. And she said, oh, how did Grandpa Peter die? And I said, oh, well, he had a bad heart. And then he just went to sleep. It's obviously not how it happened. It was horrendous. And she said to me, no, I want to know how it happened. I want to know what happened to Grandpa Peter. And I said, okay, do you want me to be honest? And she said, yeah. And I told her about the blood clot and I told her it shot to his lungs. And suddenly we're in this really beautiful in-depth conversation about death, which felt very close to the beautiful in-depth conversations we have about life. And it makes me feel quite emotional even talking about it because she wasn't emotional, but she wanted the information to understand about how it happened. Mm. And at the end of it, she said, did he die with his eyes open or closed? And I said, wow. closed. And she went, so he just went to sleep. Okay, I understand that. And I thought, wow, you're seven years old and you can handle it better than I can handle it. Better yeah, than I can handle so it. Important. It was so beautiful and it was so mm. important. It was really poignant. I'm really glad we had like it. I feel like it's the trust thing, isn't it? Like the whole, you trust them that will... They, you want them to trust you, so you have to tell yeah. them the truth. And yeah. you've got to tell them the truth in, like, obviously, you know, age appropriate in some ways. But if they're asking for it, surely we have to, to just yeah. give and it to them. And psychologists have found that if we, if we don't tell children the truth or if we leave out big, important bits of information – they will make it up. Their imagination mm. will, we are storytelling creatures. They will make up something mm. and it will often be worse than the reality. So, you know, people who say, um, you know, someone has fallen asleep and it's happened in my family as well, this this idea we want to soften it for children, but actually then well, what does the child become afraid of falling asleep? Yeah, we, exactly. we have yes. to be a bit clearer yeah. to help them understand. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that's a generational thing? Do you think that's happening more and more and more as our, you know, as we're the ones that are having our eyes open to the way that maybe it wasn't done when we were kids? Yeah, I think so. I think so. My last yeah. book was, was how to be sad and how to how yeah. it's changed so much. Again, um, you know, the Second World War, that the scale of loss and grief was so great that that generation and possibly our parents' generation were, were very much of that idea. Well, just get on with things. No point thinking about it. No point talking about it. And we know now that that doesn't really help and that you can't just push down sadness like a, like a beach ball. It'll just pop up somewhere else. Mm. So, yeah, I think we're getting better at that. I hope we are. Mm. Stiff up a lip, old chap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that worked well. <laughs> God. 
gosh, that is, do you know what? It's been so fascinating. Yeah. We always ask our guests, and I feel like you've already given loads of advice, but what would be the one piece of advice that you would give maybe to like a friend who's having a child back, you know, back in the UK or the best piece of advice that someone gave you? That children work better outside in that there's... um. They just yeah. become freer. Yeah. There's no kind of struggle for resources. There are enough twigs to go around, for example, that they can run up and down, they can get their energy out. The conflicts just kind of decrease. So from a really young age, even when it's horrible, and even as a you know reformed indoor kid, it's just getting children outside when, yes. when it all gets too much. I completely agree with you. Be out in the universe. Yeah. But then also be able to give them their iPad when they're being little shits. That's fine <laughs> exactly. as well. The electronic nannies. The yes. electronic nannies have to come into play sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> now when my, son, when my son asks me a question, I say, go and ask Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, George, we were doing that this morning. Kit was going, what's the longest river in the world? And I was like, yeah. well, I think it's the Amazon, but let's check with Alexa. <laughs> That's all I did. I'm like, ask Alexa. Ask Alexa. <laughs> um, also, we would love to hear your products, Helen, uh, the ones that you absolutely can't live without. Maybe it's kind of outerwear brand or stuff that you use with the kids or stuff that you absolutely adore in Denmark. Okay. I I mean, thinking about t- top parenting products, I mean, coffee has to come in at number one, right? I mean, I mean honestly, that's, no even one's the actually days, ever said that before, which I'm that. really surprised about. Coffee? What I brand like do how, you have in Denmark? Uh, well, I mean, it can be any old thing knocking around, Lavazza or whatever's knocking around in the supermarket. But I feel like however tough the day is or is going to be, that first coffee of the day is just a moment of guaranteed pleasure in yes. you know, time and life stages where sometimes there's not many guaranteed pleasures. That is pure joy. So I'm yeah, very happy with that. Um, I think... I think snowsuits again. Um, there's a there's a Danish company called Name It or Lego do a good brand as well. But just any kind of thing where you're zipping yourself up so that you could you and your children can be outside is very helpful. We like a brand called um, is it po- uh, what's the brand that we like, George? Is it a Scandinavian oh, brand? I call it Pop, but it's like Polar. Polar and Pret. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. I think yeah. that might be Swedish. That's oh, fancy. okay. You're yeah, you're we fancy. Like that. We're that's fancy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Um, <laughs> What else? I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know the brand in particular, but I find a silk pillowcase since having children. Oh, you know, yeah. when you used to, before you had kids, you would go to sleep and then you would just sleep until the next day when maybe an alarm would wake you up. Well, I yes. haven't had an alarm for maybe like nine years now because children just wake me up. So just the idea that you can just get back to sleep and, you know, just just little luxury is very, very helpful. Also really good for the skin. So yes. really good for, and for the hair as well, stop yeah. bandages. Both yeah. my kids well. have them now as well, which is... Your kids? Yeah. Oh, that is bougie. <gasps> no, because, oh. you know, when they wake up in the morning and you have this argument about, well, with my daughter about brushing her hair because it's all like matted at the back she doesn't get that so then it combats those arguments but then you are creating bougie kids who when they go to a hotel and they go oh why is this so scratchy and you're like oh (laughs) jesus Oh, but that's a top tip for hair brushing though i like that i'll think about sharing yeah um Lego, obviously, there's a lot of Lego in my house. Lego and Duplo, big fans. And it can go through the wash, which is really helpful when it gets sticky. I have a dog as well. I mean, everything's sticky. It's just... Yeah, sort of looks like you're inside a Lego piece now. It does. Actually. Yeah, my little honeycomb recording studio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very good for my audiobook. Reading it now, my dulcet tones. Um, and then I recently bought for my daughter loves audiobooks, and I cannot read all three children the books that they want at the same time no. their reading still terrible because i'm in the nordic countries so she can play her audiobooks on a portable cd player old school cd player and wow. that has 
yeah, changed changed the game. That's a game changer. Oh, That's so cool. That. I love that. It's really helpful. Yeah, really good. amazing. Oh, oh, Helen, it was so lovely you. to have you on. What a, what a brilliantly fascinating podcast that one was, George. Yeah, so interesting. And I feel I actually feel really relaxed now. Like yes. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I feel really good. relaxed, and I'm going to be a relaxed parent today. Good Nordic fresh air. Good. Raising yeah. raising Vikings this end. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, Helen. Good luck with the book, and it was yeah. lovely to chat to you. Thanks so much Thank for coming you. on. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye bye. What are you taking away from that chat? Because that was incredible. Wasn't it just yeah. so interesting? Um, I think for me, I'm probably going to do more. I love physical play. I love having a rumble with Kit. And I think sometimes I leave that side of it for Dozer. Because, mm. you know, ex-rugby player, he's always like throwing them around and chucking them on the bed. And, you know, they're legging it up the stairs and having a proper, like, proper rumble. And sometimes I'm like busy running the bath or telling them off because they haven't got into their pyjamas or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think actually I'm just going to get involved because I actually, I really love it as well. Yeah. So I think maybe just a bit more play. Yeah, a bit more play. Yeah, yeah. And also, I guess not stepping in. I think for me, it's the trust thing. Like, I'm a trusting person. Like, yes, I I am a very trusting person. And yeah, I probably will have been burnt, you know, from time to time. Who knows? But I do try and see the good in people. Like, I really do. But I sometimes don't pass that on to the kids so much. Like, I think I maybe try and protect them. But I think... I'm going to go more with my natural instinct and sort of try and get... I, I think it's not a bad thing to have. Like, I've been yes. all right trusting people. So yep. rather than being overcautious, I think I'm going to try and get them to be like more trusting in people and seeing the world as a good place rather than yeah. everyone. I really, yeah, that really did hit home with me because I, I yep. just, I really hate that about our society that we're all kind of, everyone thinks everyone's out to get each other. But actually most people are good people. I love that, George. I feel yeah. like that's a really nice place to finish the podcast um, thank you so much for listening to today's chat as always we'd love you to rate review subscribe and please 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 give our podcast a little follow if you don't already that means you won't miss an episode yeah and any feedback from today's podcast or like things you'd like to hear from us in 2024 then drop us a dm on instagram we're on at made by mummers and we'll be back on friday Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.